to Life Church Podcast with Pastor David Singley. We will be reading from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. The word of the Lord. In this passage, Paul tells us how this happens, how, um, how we can shine like stars in the night sky, how we can be brilliant people set apart in our culture like we're supposed to be, like we sang about. All right, so there's something that we do, according to this passage, and there's something that God does. Um, and so we're going to kind of look at that. There's a little bit of a go-between, our part versus God's part. Let's start with our part in verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So what's this? What's, what part do we play, if any, in this idea of shining like stars in our culture, in this idea of our salvation or our sanctification? What's, what's our role? Well, this verse, verse 12, is often misinterpreted, and it's often taken out of context to mean something that it really does not mean, so we have to be careful with it here. Um, often I've heard this scripture preached that uh, this means that you have to work hard for your salvation. Um, you, have to, you have to achieve it, and you should be fearful and trembling while you do this, because God might, be, might throw you into hell. So you're scared of punishment, and that's why you obey, and that's what leads to the Christian life. And friends, nothing could be further from the truth. That is not Christianity. Okay, so when you come to a, different, a difficult passage like this, it's important to remember when you read it and you say, hmm, that doesn't seem to line up with the rest of Scripture. Don't just take it as, as it lands on your ears, because sometimes when, when the Greek is translated into English, the words hit our ears in different orders. So I, what I like to do is in a passage like this when it's not really clear at first. I think the ESV does a great job translating it. It's almost word for word from the Greek. But I like to read a paraphrase translation, which translates idea for idea rather than word for word. So to try to get at the idea that the Apostle Paul was coming at. All right, so let's, let's look at what the, the uh, New Living Translation says. Uh, the New Living Translation is um, a good, I think, a good... Uh, paraphrase translation. It puts it like this. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. 
obeying God with deep reverence and fear. See how different that is? Um, just, the, just the changing of one or two words makes a huge difference in this passage, and this lines up with the teachings of the whole of Scripture. So Paul is not saying you should be nervous and you should be scared because God might throw you into hell, so that's why you should, you should be fear, fearful and trembling, and, and you should work hard to, to earn your salvation. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, first of all, I'm probably not going to be with you guys. Remember, he's speaking to the Philippians as a whole church. Um, he's not speaking to them as individuals, and he's saying, I'm in prison. I'm probably not going to come back to help you in your faith as you work out the implications of your salvation. So you're probably going to have to do it on your own now. That's why he says, work out your own salvation. Speaking to the whole church, this is kind of on you now, guys. I can't help you anymore. That's why he says, you obeyed when I was with you? Keep it up. Keep doing what you were doing, even now as I'm not able to be with you. And, and keep working to show the, the results of your salvation. Keep working out the implications of what it means to be saved people, to be people who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, you need to think about it. Um, that's, what, that's what he means by, by, uh, with fear and trembling. He's saying, you need to do this with a lot of seriousness. You should not be casual about this. You need to be serious. You need to take this seriously. Don't be nonchalant about this, how you're showing Christ to the world. It's a very serious matter. I trust you're going to, Paul's saying, I trust you're going to take this seriously. You're going to do this with fear and trembling. You're gonna, this is a big deal to you, how you're showing the, the life of a Christian to the world around you. So I trust you're going to take this seriously. That's what Paul's saying. So he's saying, work out the implications of what it means to be a saved person and do this with a seriousness. Don't be casual. Don't be nonchalant about it. That's our work, to simply take it seriously, that God has saved us by his grace in Jesus Christ, and now we get to show the world what, who Christ is. We are Christ's ambassadors, and we need to take that seriously. We need to think about it. We need to reflect on it. Am I really, is my faith and my practice lining up? Is what I believe and what I confess lining up with my behavior or the two totally disconnected. You know what I'm saying? Nothing, nothing is more distasteful to the world than people that go to church and, and act one way one day of the week and then the rest of the week they just live like hell. It just doesn't make sense to them. And I get it. We're hypocrites. We have to admit that up front. Our, our discipleship is never perfect. But the, the world just doesn't get that. Okay? So we have to take this seriously. That's our work. We take seriously this idea that we get to reflect Christ to the world, this idea that we have responsibility to show the results of our salvation. Now, that's our work. What's God's work? Well, Paul gets to it in verse 13, and this is also where I think he clears up any confusion we might have had over verse 12. He says this, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul says it's God who supplies both the desire and the power for you to shine like stars in the midst of this dark culture. It's God who supplies it. It's God who supplies both the desire and the power for you to do anything good. God does it. It's God's work. He has to do it in you. That's what Nathan was saying. Uh, this is not your own righteousness. This is not your own holiness. We come needing his holiness. And God's the one that gives it to us. 
And, and he gives this to us in, in a couple different ways. He supplies both the desire and the power, I think, in a couple different ways. The first thing he does is he gifts us salvation. This is why the Philippians already had it, you know, and that's why Paul can write to them and say, you've already got this salvation? Now take it seriously how it's working itself out in your life, okay? Um, you need to think about this. Uh, God, when God gives us our salvation, it sets Christianity apart from every other religion of the world. Our salvation is a gift. The Bible says we could not earn it. There is nothing we could have done. And if the incarnation isn't a statement about that, I don't know what is. God said, you're hopeless. You're absolutely hopeless. I'm going to have to come into this. I'm going to have to come down myself and do this myself because you can never be good enough. You can never be righteous enough. I'm going to have to come and die and rise again from the dead or you don't have a shot. That's the gospel, right? We didn't have a chance. So our salvation is a gift, which means any good work we do is now not to earn anything because we couldn't. That's where we started, right? We couldn't earn anything. So any good work we do is now just a thank you note. Really. Thanks, Jesus, for saving me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to care about the poor because you've told me to care about the poor. And I'm so thankful what you did in my life for dying and rising again, giving me hope. Um, I, I'm going to care for the orphan and the widow, not because it's going to earn me anything, but because Jesus uh, left his home in heaven and came to be with us who, was, who were orphaned. You know what I'm saying? So everything goes back to thankfulness now rather than earning anything. He gave us salvation as a gift. It changes everything. It's all about thankfulness now. Our good works are all about thankfulness. And I think this makes us shine in the culture because if someone from another religion does a good work, I'm kind of like, yeah, good for you, but that was selfish because you're trying to save yourself, right? I mean, if I'm scared to death of going to hell and I'm like, I need to do this good work for you um, because otherwise God's going to punish me and send me to hell, then it's not really a good work. It's a selfish work. It's all about me. So this is where Christians can actually become people that do things for the right motive, or at least mostly the right motive. Because salvation's a gift. All right, the second thing God does to create in us this ability both to desire, both the desire and the power to shine like stars in the midst of our dark culture is he gives us the Holy Spirit. And this is really it. This is the crux of it. He gives us the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us, which just means he makes us more like Jesus. Um, At the moment of salvation, God gifts us with the Holy Spirit who comes in, and the Holy Spirit's like a general contractor. Or uh, how many like those HGTV shows, the flipper flop shows, uh, where they go into a house and they're just, they just look at it, and these people become really skilled at seeing something at its finished product. So they can, they can get in there and be like, oh yeah, we can, we can make money on this deal, right? They can also lose money, but they get skilled at seeing it. And the Holy Spirit's like that. He comes into your life and he says, yep, we can make this look like Jesus. We got some work to do. We can make this look like Jesus. So he says, that has got to go. And that's got to go. Oh, my goodness, that's really got to go. We're going to totally take that out. We're going to redo this. All that crap, that's going. And he just starts doing all this work, and he starts ordering people around, and he starts saying, this is what I've got to take out, and this is what I've got to put in. And before long, you don't look anything like the old you. That's what it's called. It's called sanctification. Um, It happens because the Holy Spirit does it in you. It's God's work, not our work. It's God's work totally dependent on him. Now, 
Paul goes back to you for a second in verse 14. What do you do to cooperate with this process in you, this sanctification work, the Holy Spirit's work in you? Well, he says it in verse 14. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing or arguing. And this is obviously, I think, a reference back to the people of Israel. Paul's a good Jew. And so, you know, when God was bringing the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, out of, in the Exodus, out of the land of Egypt, into the promised land, what was their major sin? Somebody just throw it out. Grumbling and complaining. They just wouldn't stop. I mean, when you're reading it, it's just like, just stop, you know? It's reminding me of my kids. And they're just grumbling and complaining all the time. And, and God got sick of it. Um, for sure, and, and that's why the Israelites were kind of in this cycle of judgment and stuff like that. But Paul's saying, don't be like the children of Israel. As God's doing this work in your life, don't be grumbling and complaining about it. Now, that's easier said than done, right? I mean, how often do we really love God's changing hand in our lives? Uh, how often do we rejoice as he purges uh, our sins and our character, and scours our vices. I, I, for one, find it irritating. I like to keep my vices. I like to keep the things that, that are comforting to me and, and my ways of doing things. I don't necessarily love it. Um, on top of that, God usually uses adversity to provide the necessary heat and friction in your life to create change. Um, he can use other things. He doesn't have to use adversity, but let's just get a show of hands. How many of you have changed a whole lot during the most joyful times of your life? You know, I mean, some of you, maybe you've changed a little bit. But usually what we do as humans, when everything's going really well, we're just like, okay, just going to make an announcement. Nobody touch anything. It's going well right now. Just let it happen. It's, it's good. It's fine. Just don't touch, don't touch that dial. Don't move, don't move a muscle. It's finally going well. I don't want anything to ruin this. Okay, this is my one moment where it's going well. And so we don't want to change. Whereas in adversity, we're like, okay, Lord, this isn't going well. I'm, I'm open to doing other things. I'm open to trying other avenues here. You know, which sometimes results in adversity, and then we grumble and complain. Pulsing, don't let that be a part of the narrative. Don't let that creep in. Um, I remember a, a Christian mentor I had that when I was first kind of going through one of these cycles or some, some adversity as a new believer— he said to me, you know, Dave, it sounds like the Lord's doing some, some stuff in your life. And I just want to tell you the best thing that you can do is just, just gently submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, just, just say, have a yes in your heart for the Lord. Like he's doing something, you can't see it. You can't see it, you can't know it before it happens. But, but just have a yes in your heart to the Lord. Just say, okay, yes, Lord, I submit to you in this. I don't know what you're doing here. But I just say yes to you, and, and I'm not going to complain about it. He's like, the more you grumble, the more you fight him on this, it's just going to make it harder. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but just having a gentle submission in your heart before the Lord as he works in you is, it's a huge win. So, so maybe this is for you um, at your work. You know, your boss or your coworkers just drive you crazy. And maybe the Lord's just saying, hey, just gently submit. I'm doing some stuff in you here. Right? Or maybe in your marriage, you're just, you're just fighting it out, and, and the Lord's saying, hey, look, I'm, I want to change you. And marriage is a crucible. If you'll give into it, it'll change you. It provides that necessary heat inside that covenant that you have no choice but to change. 
You can't get out of it. As a Christian, you can't get out of it, so you just change. It's great, isn't it? It heats up so hot that you start melting, and you change into something more like Christ. Um, or maybe it's in your parenting. I mean, how many of you know parent, parenting will test a brother or sister, right? It will, it will test you. Uh, and sometimes you're just like, I, I want to I I grumble and complain. God, why did you give me this? He's saying, don't do that. Just, just have a gentle submission in your heart before the Lord as he works in you. Finally, we get to verse 15, and we see the results of God's work. And it's pretty incredible, I got to say. It says that, Paul, Paul says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, shine like stars. You know, this is so rare that when it's seen, it just, it just pops out. It's just brilliant. It's just shining to us, to the world when they see this. Because it's a broken world, right? And we're all broken people. And so when God gets a hold of a person and comes into their life and starts to change them, it's, it's really astounding. It's really beautiful. It's something that kind of takes your breath away for a moment. And you just go, wow, look what God did. Look what God did. They were that way, and now they're totally different. Imagine this is the story of Paul's life. People are just one after another, like, wow. It's the guy that was locking people up and stoning people. And now look at it. Total 180. This is what happens. Now, a couple of different words about this process, because if you're like me, all those words in verse 15 aren't necessarily comforting. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily read blameless, innocent, children of God without blemish and think, yeah, that's me. And if you do, I'm not so sure I'm happy about that, um, because you might be really prideful if you think that list perfectly lines up with you. Um, I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think any of us uh, meet this list that Paul is talking about right now. We're on our way there. We're on our way to becoming this. But we have to admit up front that we're kind of hypocrites, right? Christians can admit that. We have grace to admit that. Like, we confess this man, Jesus, to follow him. He was perfect. We're never perfect. We confess to be made new in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we often act like we're old. And this is frustrating. Um, this frustrates me about me. And this frustrates me about you. Uh, and I'm guessing it frustrates you about me. That we say we follow Jesus, we say we're brand new, and we're just not perfectly. We're just not there yet. Uh, so many days I have wished for, I never had the courage to pray for it, but I, I so many days have wished for perfect, instantaneously, complete sanctification. But wouldn't that just be great? Just that when you come to Jesus, you confess Jesus, Lord, maybe it's when you're baptized, that'd be cool. Come up out of the water, and you're just like Jesus. If I were God, that's what I would be for. It'd save us a lot of mess. Um, because think about that. Once a person's baptized, they're just like Jesus, and everybody can tell, wow, they went from being a terrible sinner, now they're perfect. Like, they don't do anything wrong, ever. There's just, there's, you can't find anything wrong with them. They're just like this list. That's not what we got. That's not what we got. What we do have is that day by day, we're being made more like him, more like Jesus in the power of the Spirit in us. And for this reason, we do not give up. 
We do not give up. Because remember how Paul started this letter to the Philippians? Pastor Bill preached on it. In chapter 1, verse 6, he said, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Got good news for you, friends. God is not a quitter. Some of you like to do projects, and you get like 65% through your project, and then you get so excited about another project. But that project doesn't get finished, right? Uh, my wife used to be this way. She's gotten a lot better. Sanctification. It's working, right? I keep talking to her about it. Every year it gets better. But the project, we're, we're kind of like, we get, oh, I'm kind of tired of that project. God's not that way. He's like, oh, I'm, he stays excited about this project. You're his project. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to see what they're going to be. And he just, just, as you're shining brighter and brighter, he's just working on you and steadily, faithfully, more and more each day, bringing you to who you are supposed to be in Christ. He does not give up. So no matter where you are today, I don't care where you are. Maybe you were in the bar last night. Maybe you've been locked up into porn. Maybe you went back to your addiction. Right now, that does not matter because Jesus will complete it. So you need to turn back to Jesus today and say, all right, let's start again. You can complete this. You can finish this. You're not a quitter. You're not giving up on me. Yes, according to St. Paul, we start shining now. We do. We need to. We don't have to wait for the change to happen entirely. We won't ever be perfectly sanctified. But we'll shine brighter and brighter as we're, until we're meant to shine perfectly at the day of Christ, until the day when he returns for his church and transforms us into his image. So here's where we are, friends. We're on our way, but we're not there yet. That's what sums it up. We're on our way to being like Jesus. He's making us holy. We're shining brighter and brighter each day. We're, we're shining like stars more and more. Our stars growing brighter each day, more like Christ, but we're not there yet. And as we close, I think this means a couple of things for us to consider. That we're on our way, but not there yet, not quite like Christ yet. First, we have to be humble. You know, all this work depends on God anyway, right? So we have to be humble. We didn't do it. We can't take any of the credit for it. It's God's work in us. And we have to admit, we too were in darkness. You know, we were in darkness. He pulled us out into his marvelous light. We didn't do that either. Um, and normally our human tendency is, once we figure something out, like the next day we look down on everybody that hasn't. You know, we were smoking one day, just chain smoking, then we quit. And that next day we're like, smokers. You know, it's, that's just how humans are, Right? We like to look down on people that haven't gotten where we got. And it's just ridiculous. Christians have no place to do that at all. We have no place to look down our noses at people who are sinful. We have no place to look down on... We just, we just can't. We have to stay humble, right? Um, this brings us to the second point, second thing to consider as we remember we're on our way and not there yet like Christ. We're not frightened or overly bothered by the darkness around us. You know, Paul made this clear in chapter 1. We shouldn't be scared of, of those who oppose us. Uh, I think this was clear in, in the letter of Methodus as well. Uh, darkness is not to be feared or complained about by believers. We shouldn't be shocked at the sinfulness of sinful people. It's one of the things that I, just bothers me a lot when people are like, wow, those people are so sinful. I'm like, they're sinners. That's what they do. You know, we're filled with the Spirit of God and we still sin. If you didn't have the Spirit of God in you, what would you be like? I wouldn't be here. I'd be doing something bad, probably. 
you know, um, or at least something selfish. So, so we have to be humble about this too. We have to, we have to have this mind that's, that's like, we shouldn't be so bothered by it. Um, the stars, when they're in the sky, now that they can talk, but they don't, I don't hear them complaining about how dark the sky is. Uh, they just light it up. The stars don't sit around complaining about, oh, the sky is so dark. They just light it up. That's what Paul wants us to do. Finally, friends, we are confident as we look to Jesus. The scriptures say when we see him, we will be like him. That's a promise. Um, that means we're going to change. It's eventually going to happen. We're going to be holy. We're going to be just like Christ, and we're on our way. According to Romans 8, all creation is waiting and groaning for this day when the sons and daughters of God will be revealed. When we finally sparkle in all the brilliance that we were intended to, all creation is waiting for that day. They're just waiting to celebrate that day when we're revealed like Christ. But until that day, we grow brighter and brighter each day, confident in the one who's working in us. I don't think it's any coincidence that when Jesus was on earth, he said unashamedly, I am the light of the world. He didn't dog us for how rotten we are or complain about how dark our hearts had grown. No. He just lit up the darkness. And now, in him, Jesus Christ invites us to do the same. Let's shine like stars. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, by which, um, without whom, none of this is possible. It's not possible for us to change apart from you, God. So we thank you that you do the work, and would you help us, Holy Spirit, to cooperate with you? Would you, would you put a yes in our hearts to you at every point of this changing work that you're doing in our lives. We thank you that you're not a quitter. We thank you that you're not giving up on us. We thank you that you are steady, that you are faithful, even when we're unfaithful, and that you will bring us to the point of completion at the day of Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.